Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. So a month ago, we released an episode trying to answer the question, how would you go about quantifying the pros and cons of each color in Commander? So I really recommend giving that episode a listen before we go any further, because this episode is going to be building on a lot of the concepts discussed in that one. Although we will give you a quick little recap. And also, we're going to be talking about a lot of staple effects and cards in this episode. And many of these are things that you'll hear us recommend buying. Cards that'll help you just a ton over the course of your magic playing life. And I'm going to use this spot to kind of remind you guys that, hey, if you're looking to buy some of these cards you're hearing about, why not use the uh, TCG player affiliate link that we have? It'll be posted in the episode description. And it also makes it easy for you to just find all the tasty cardboard effects that we'll be talking about in this and other series in the future. It really does help us out and let us keep pushing forward into new projects that you'll be hearing about very soon. So we're very excited to eventually reveal some of the stuff that we've been working on. With that said, do you want to move into the uh, rest of the episode? Yes. I want to give a quick refresher on the major concepts we covered last time. So a color's ability to do something consistently matters a lot more than if it has one or two cards that can do it. So for example, like red has an answer to enchantments in Chaos Warp, but that's one card in a 99 card singleton deck. And unless you have a bunch of ways to tutor it out, which red does not, you're not going to see your Chaos Warp in most games. Whereas a color like green, which has just a million naturalized effects, you can make sure that you have enough naturalized effects in your deck that you will have an answer to enchantments at any point you need it. And to touch on that a little bit more, we use the term critical mass a lot on the show. That's basically ensuring that you have enough of a given effect that you see it at the turn you want it in most games. And you can use a hypergeometric calculator to determine the exact likelihood of drawing an effect at a given point in the game based on how many cards you've drawn and based on how many redundant copies you're running. So for example, if you want a 90% chance to draw a card by turn 8 then you need to be running 13 copies of it. You can fiddle with those numbers based on like when you think you'll need an effect and how willing you are to like let risk play a factor because if you're willing to go down to like 85% or 80%, then you can run fewer copies. But that's really kind of the cornerstone of what we're going to be talking about today is the idea that you need to be running enough cards that you'll see it in order for it to be able to say that a color can do something. Tutors add to this critical mass for every type of effect they're able to search out. So in this way, they're wild cards for a lot of other effects and give you extra room in your deck because like instead of running 10 board wipes and 10 ramp spells, you can run 10 tutors and then only the very best board wipes and ramp spells. So you can like save on deck slots while still ensuring that you're able to get like the best effects at all times. Another major concept from the last episode, efficiency matters. People don't tend to play inefficient answers, even if it's all they have access to. So like red has access to an unconditional instant speed answer to creatures in the card Fisher, which is three red, red instant destroy target creature or land. But if you look at EDH rec, it's pretty clear that nobody is playing this card. Even if like, if you're in a mono red deck and you need an instant speed answer to creatures, it's one of your few options. In this episode, generally when we talk about what qualifies as like a good spot removal spell. We're going to be talking about cards with CMC 3 or less. That seems to be like the... The good zone for all of that. Instant speed really matters for spot removal. 
The purpose of mass removal is to generate card advantage by removing multiple threats with a single card. The purpose of spot removal is to remove an immediate threat. So something like a declaration in stone, that's one in a white, sorcery speed, exile target creature and all other creatures its controller controls with the same name as that creature, that player investigates for each non-token creature exiled this way. A sorcery speed removal spell like that is not gonna do you much good against an immediate threat like Kihijiki Zealous Conscripts, I combo off and kill you. Yeah, it just sits in your hand and then you're just sad. Another major concept, win conditions aren't just big beaters. Win conditions are cards that kill your opponents the turn you cast them and aren't easily disrupted by removal. So like some good examples of win conditions are like Crater of Behemoth, Insurrection, Expropriate, Exsanguinate, things that if they don't have a counter spell will probably just kill them and don't require a lot of setup. So last time we rated each color on a number of categories and specifically the number of cards of the following effects that they have access to. We're looking at each color's card draw, each color's acceleration, its tutors, wind conditions, spot creature removal, spot artifact removal, spot enchantment removal, counter spells, mass creature removal, mass artifact removal, mass land destruction. And counter spells there I'm specifically referring to like answers to instants and sorceries because we're also counting like counter spells like V card counter spell as spot creature removal, spot artifact removal, spot enchantment removal because it is an answer to those if you have it at the right time. After doing all this work and figuring out like how many effects of each type each color had access to and tallying everything up, we got the following totals. Blue had 64, we'll call them points. Green had 56, black with 44, white had 39, and red had 31. The thing is, those numbers will change if you add tutors into the equation. Exactly. Because tutors essentially count as a second copy of any other effect that you're trying to get. If you're in a color identity that has access to a bunch of tutors, that drastically changes up your game plan and your um, ability to see the best cards in your deck more frequently. If you take into account the effect of tutors, the totals end up like green at 79, blue at 74, black at 70, white at 47, and red at 38. It doesn't really change things much for white and red, the colors with the fewest tutors, but it boosts green up and it boosts black up relative to blue and green. I think the biggest takeaway from that episode for I think me and Nick and I think a lot of you listening was you can kind of feel that like there's a reason green is played very heavily in commander and it's not just because it's the Timmy color. It's not just because you make a bunch of worms and beasts and attack people. It's just like the effects in green scale so well into this like multiplayer format when we did this quantification and like actually put point values to all this, that that's the thing that actually surprises me most is like, Oh, this kind of matches up with how I've perceived the format over the decade or so we've played. It's really interesting. I think that's a really good validation of the method that we developed. It's the same case when we start looking at the multicolor identities today, we came in with our method. This is how we're going to do it. We'll add it up. And then it really surprisingly matched our intuition. Mm Mm-hmm quite well. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, we'll we'll see that. I think we're going to take a little break right now before we jump into that, though. Yes. Before we do that, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon page. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access cool benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. So just a reminder, 
The categories we're looking at are card draw, acceleration, tutors, wind conditions, spot creature removal, spot artifact removal, spot enchantment removal, counter spells, mass creature removal, mass artifact removal, and mass land destruction. For each of those categories, we're going to look through the multicolor identities and see if there's any cards specific to that identity that fall into one of those categories that's efficient enough to see play in Commander. We'll start off with Azorius. In terms of spot artifact removal, spot enchantment removal, counter spells, Dovin's Veto kind of checks all those boxes. Yeah, just a very good card. Yeah, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's white-blue for an instant. It can't be countered. Counter target non-creature spell. So I'm a big fan of negate. This is a good answer to a lot of different threats in the format, and it'll add to Azorius's power level as a color. Also in Azorius, there's some good options for mass creature removal in the form of Time Wipe and Supreme Verdict. Moving on to Demir. So Demir has an additional tutor in the form of Limduel's Vault, which basically allows you to put the top five cards of your library on the bottom as many times as you like and then rearrange them. So it's a very, very slow process for like a vampiric tutor, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and then in terms of answers to artifacts, enchantments, and instant sorceries, it has Counter Squall, which is blue, black, counter target non-creature spell. Its controller loses two life. So again, these negate effects are really good, and I think it adds to the power level for Demir. Moving on to Rakdos. Rakdos has some pretty sweet cards. Yeah, Rakdos gets actually a, a decent amount more than some of these other colors. So in terms of spot creature removal, it has access to Terminate, which is just a pretty efficient card, and Bedevil. Bedevil will also help it answer artifacts. Another answer to artifacts in Rakdos is Kolagon's Command, which one of its modes is destroy target artifacts. It can also kill weenies, make people discard, raise dead. Yeah, it's just way better than I thought it was going to be. And then for mass creature removal, we've got last one standing, which is one black-red for a sorcery. Choose a creature at random, then destroy all other creatures. Really efficient, and it's likely to clear most things off the board if you're just looking to get card advantage. Yeah, and also it's just so good if there is the guy playing tokens. You're like, okay, like... That plant survives. Yeah, (laughs) it's so, so good. It's crazy. Also a good mass creature removal spell, Fire Covenant. One black red for an instant. As additional cost to cast it, pay X life. It deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. Moving on to the next color identity, Gruel. So Gruel has one card I think that we'd want to highlight, and that's Cindervines. Red-green enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, Cindervines deals one damage to that player. One sacrifice Cindervines, destroy target artifact or enchantment, deals two damage to that permanence controller. It is something you can just have it sitting on the board and like be able to react to what your opponents are doing. And it's really the only thing that we could think of that like really fits into this kind of framework. Like Gruel just got like a lot of like side grades. The next color got a bunch of goodies though. Oh yeah. So this is Celestnia. Celestnia got an additional card draw spell in the form of camaraderie. So it's four white-green for sorcery. You gain X life and draw X cards, where X is the number of creatures you control. Creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn. So if you're doing like a go-wide strategy, this is likely to just refill your hand. In terms of acceleration, Celestia gets access to Avacyn's Pilgrim, which is just an efficient one-drop mana dork. For tutors, you get Eladomri's Call, which is white-green instant. Search your library for a creature and put it in your hand and shuffle your library. And then it's got a lot of options for spot, artifact, and enchantment removal. Aura Shards, Knight of Autumn, Harmonic Sliver, Kasali Pride Mage. 
And then in terms of uh, mass artifact removal, you also get access to Fracturing Gust. A lot of treats in that color. Some of these color identities, like there's not a lot in the overlap. And really when you're quantifying their power level, you're just adding in like color A and color B. But Celestia is more than the sum of its parts because of these sweet multicolor parts. Moving on to Orzov. What are some of the sweet staple effects that it has access to? So when it comes to card draw, like Timna the Weaver is just so efficient. She's a 2-2 lifelink for one white-black. She has, at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, you may pay X life, where X is the number of opponents that were dealt combat damage this turn. If you do, draw X cards. And that is just so good because Orzov has so many like little flyers, little weenies that help you out. She comes down fairly early and just kind of keeps your hand full. Other than that, I think the big thing that Orzov gets is the spot removal. The spot removal is very, very good. You get Anguished Unmaking. This is instant one white-black. Pay three life, exile target, non-land permanent. You get Despark, white-black, instant, exile target permanent with CMC four or more. Mortify, which is one white-black, instant, destroy target, creature or enchantment. Those fit into most of these spot removal categories, and they are great. Finally, with the mass removal, Merciless Eviction fits into some of these categories. You get the mass creature and mass artifact removal on Merciless Eviction. And I have been loving that card ever since it came out. Just the ability to be like, okay, you know what's a problem right now are all these enchantments. They're like, okay, I'm going to get through this pillow fort. Or like, Atraxa Super Friends is going off. I'm going to exile all these Planeswalkers. <laughs> Just having all of these options available to you is really, really good. So I think that brings us to Golgari, though. In terms of acceleration, it has Elves of Deep Shadow, which, like Avacyn's Pilgrim, is a one-cost uh, mana dork. In terms of spot, creature removal, artifact removal, jammer removal, it's got both Assassin's Trophy and Abrupt Decay. Although, like, Abrupt Decay and D-Spark both sure. meta-dependent in the opposite direction. Like, Abrupt Decay is a lot more relevant in more competitive metas that have extremely low CMCs, and D-Spark is more relevant in metagames that have higher CMC is a little bit more battle cruisery. Yeah. Putrefy also is an additional creature removal spell and artifact removal spell. There's also some mass removal options for both creatures and artifacts in the form of Pernicious Deed and Gaze of Granite. Gaze of Granite is X black black green for a sorcery. Destroy each non-land permanent with converted mana cost X or less. So that's a good answer for pretty much anything. Yeah, pretty much anything. You just gotta pay the good x number and you can also kind of get around it too like if you have a threat that is more expensive or like you want to keep more permanence than other players mm -hmm. it's it's a uh, the flexibility is pretty good in the same way that pernicious deed exists which also fits into both of these categories yeah pernicious deed is one black green for an enchantment x sacrifice pernicious deed destroy each artifact creature and enchantment with converted mana cost to x or less so very similar cards although it's nice that with pernicious deed you can threaten to do it yeah uh and hinder people's development and you can also split up the cost over multiple turns what is the next color identity we're looking at yeah so this is simic simic really just gets a lot of card draw but the two cards that we're going to add here are edric spymaster of trust and prime speaker zagana they just draw so many cards mm -hmm. and it's funny because like when we talk about green card draw there's kind of two ways you can go you can go wide and you can go tall and that's what both of these cards kind of reward you have your going wide with edric and your tall with zagana it's funny that simic kind of leans into that moved on to is it is it doesn't really have any multicolor cards that do what it needs to be doing in commander yeah 
I've kind of noticed when I'm making is it decks is that a lot of the time I'm playing just good blue and red cards and not good blue red cards. I'm moving on to Boros. Boros gets access to some great spot removal for artifacts and enchantments. It has access to both Wear Tear, which is a Shatter on one half, a Demystify on the other, and then you can fuse them together. So good card advantage spot removal option. And then there's Dwergar Hedge Mage. If you have two or more planes, it'll destroy an enchantment when it enters the battlefield. If you have two or more mountains when it enters the battlefield, it'll destroy an artifact, and it costs three mana for a 2-2. It's very good. All right, moving on to the three color identities. What's the first one we're going to be talking about? So the first one we're going to be talking about is Bant. And Bant gets a decent amount of stuff. In regards to acceleration, you have like Noble Hierarch. You also get Bloom Tender, and you also get Faeborrow Elder. Bloom Tender and Faeborrow Elder, they both tap for a mana for each color of permanent that you have. So if you have a five color permanent, you get Wooburg. And in Bant, a lot of times these just tap for three all the time. Yeah, Faeborrow Elder, I probably wouldn't run it just in Celestnia, but in any of the three color or more identities that you can run it in, it seems oh, yeah. very good. Yeah, definitely like Somberwald Sage, which is a three mana zero one, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Taps for three mana, but only for creatures. I really underrated that card, and it's so good. And that's kind of what these cards end up doing in these three color identities. Just like, oh, you're telling me I go from turn three to turn seven? Wow. Another treat for Bant is Bant Charm. So it puts creatures on the bottom of the library, destroys artifacts, and counters instant spells, so all relevant modes. So that is a single card that'll give you a point in spot creature removal, spot artifact removal, counter spells, and it's only three mana, so blue, white, green. So very strong card. Esper doesn't actually get that much, so we're gonna move on to Grixis. For these three color identities, there's so few cards printed that are three colors that there's just not a lot of options specifically for these color identities. But one thing that seems to show up a lot are charms. This is not going to be the last charm we talk about today. Yeah. But Croesus's charm, blue, black, red, destroy a non-black creature. It can't be regenerated. It can destroy an artifact or it can bounce a permanent to its owner's hand. So it's a good answer to both creatures and artifacts in this color I've been playing Croesus's Charm forever, <laughs> but mm-hmm. since the format, I became aware of it, so it's just so strong. So moving into Jund, I think pretty much all of these green identities, you can just assume we're going to talk about Bloom Tender. It's one of the reasons it just so desperately needs a reprint. Naya, you would definitely run Bloom Tender. It is quite good in that color identity, as is Faeborrow Elder again. Teemer gets Bloom Tender, and then Abzan also Bloom Tender, Faeborrow Elder. No big surprises there. So Mardu, Jeskai, there aren't really any cards yeah. that like are efficient enough for Commander and it's like true. fall into one of our categories. Like Jeskai Ascendancy is a very good combo card, but you have to build your deck around it. It's not like just these plug-and-play type effects that are good in any deck. And now Sultai, the last ones. Again, Acceleration, you have Bloom Tender. Big surprise. But also, spot removal, you got a good option. Sultai Charm is a very strong card, even with one mode tied behind its back. Black, green, blue for an instant. Choose one. Destroy target monocolored creature. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. Or draw two cards, then discard a card. So you're never going to use the third mode, but this is a, a good option for answering creatures and answering artifacts and enchantments. Now, we're getting to the point that you've all been waiting for. We've tallied up things. We've put them through our big supercomputer we got here at the studio, figured out the numbers. But I think we're going to pause one more time 
So before we jump into tallying up the number of cards in each category in each of these multicolor identities and giving you a ranking, I want to briefly talk to you about Stitcher Premium. So you may currently be listening on Stitcher right now, and you may be curious about trying Stitcher Premium. Well, if you use the promo code Commander Theory, you get one month free on your monthly plan. You get to listen to many of your favorite shows ad-free. You get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes. I really love Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is not a magic podcast, but it is very good. So you get that ad-free with the Stitcher Premium. Yeah, and of course, you can always use your one month free. Give it a try. If you don't find it's for you, just cancel later. With that, I think we can jump right into these power rankings. Before we jump in, I also want to note that we're capping each category at 10 points just because there's diminishing returns. So having 20 board wipes in your deck is definitely not twice as good as having 10 board wipes. And you want to have as many effects in each category so that you're likely to get one when you need one. But deck slots are valuable and you don't want to go overboard on any one category, which is why we're capping it like that. We're also going to be discussing these without the effective tutors. So we started factoring tutors initially and then found that it kind of just flattened the power levels of, of everything. If you're in like a black color identity or a green color identity, it's pretty much all the same. Yeah, you pretty much just have what you need. The points just kind of didn't differ in any way, shape, or form. So I think that leaving out the effect of tutors and that wildcard effect gives you a more useful view of the format. So we're we're not going to be factoring that in for, for this episode, although we did in our previous episode, and you can see how that shakes out for the monocolor identities in that episode. Brief refresher, using this methodology last time, white was 39 points, blue was 64, black was 44, red was 31, and green fluctuated a little bit between 48 and 57. Mm -hmm. The reason being, as you mentioned before, green has some card draw that is based around going wide. Green also has some card draw that's based around going tall. Depending on how your deck is built, you may have access to as many as nine card draw effects in green or as few as zero. So I have here a ranking of all color identities in order. We'll go through it that way and then we can sort of explain why that is. Yeah, let's do that. Starting at the very bottom, we have red with 31 points and that's not super surprising. Yeah. Red doesn't have access to card draw or tutors or acceleration or answers to many card types. Yeah, (laughs) true. (laughs) Not super surprising. White has 39 points, and its major weaknesses are it doesn't draw cards, it doesn't tutor, it doesn't have counter spells, it doesn't really have win conditions, and it has surprisingly few effects of the things it's supposedly good at. Like in terms of instant speed, creature removal, instant speed, artifact removal, it's all less than you would expect. For whatever reason, they're just so afraid to print these redundant effects in white, and that's what white needs. Like white needs disenchant number two, and white needs reclamation sage, but white instead of green, like white needs these just staple effects that supposedly it's the best at, but just the numbers don't show. Yeah, the numbers don't really support it. The next identity is black at 44. And again, these rankings do not include the the effect of tutors. Yes. So black can't really answer artifacts, can't answer enchantments. It has limited options for acceleration. Those are things that like keep it from being very effective. Next is green with 57 points. 
screen, gets access to some, some acceleration, has a lot of tutors, but it can't answer creatures particularly well, can't answer spells on the stack. Yeah, and this is where the list starts getting spicy, because next one, you might be guessing, oh, it's going to be blue, because these are all the monocolors. Well, you're, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> it's actually Boros. Boros is by far the, the worst of the two-color identities. If you look at like what it excels in, it's quite good at mass creature removal. It's quite good at mass artifact removal, mass land destruction. But that's it. Like It can't draw cards. It can't accelerate. It doesn't have a lot of win conditions. It can't interact with spells on the stack. It doesn't even have a lot of good spot creature removal. Yeah, yeah. Surprising, but true. It's so weird. So yeah, Boros at 60 points. And you might be like, okay, well, now it's blue, right? Well, no, it's not. It's Rakdos at 63 points. <laughs> Rakdos doesn't have any acceleration, doesn't have pretty much any way to deal with enchantments, doesn't have a lot of wind conditions, can't interact with spells on the stack. Uh, a lot of the same problems, the difference being black is just much, much better than white. Yeah, black does give you access to tutors and card draw, which is a, a huge bonus. So now, it's blue at 64 points. Like, all the monocolors are obviously lower than the two colors, which makes sense. Like, you add another color, you fix whatever holes your color has. But the fact that blue is just quantifiably better than these red-white and red-black pairs kind of blows my mind. It's so funny. What I'm learning from this is that not all two-color identities are equal, and that if the two colors you're adding together had a lot of overlap in what they were already good at and what their weaknesses were, the resulting color identity is going to be weaker than one that adds to like more complementary and less overlapping colors. Mm -hmm. So like Boros, for example, a lot of mass creature removal, a lot of artifact destruction. That's the thing that both colors are good at, but their weaknesses kind of align too. And that's why the pair of them is not really that much better off than either individually. What is the next color identity? Yeah, so this is Orzov with 69 points. Nice. That makes a lot of sense, too. You, you are getting a little bit more of that overlap covered between these two colors than you are with Boros or with Rakdos. White really needs that card draw that black offers. One of the big weaknesses of Orzov is the fact that it doesn't have acceleration. It also can't answer things on the stack. As I'm noticing this and seeing like what these low-ranking color identities look like, a lot of it is caused by the fact that acceleration is so concentrated in green. So if you don't have green, you just cannot do this thing. And counter spells so concentrated in blue. If you don't have blue, you cannot do this thing. Whereas a lot of these other elements of the color identity are spread around a little bit more. You can answer artifacts in white, red, or green. You can answer enchantments in white or green. You can answer creatures in a lot of different colors. And, and there's multiple colors that can tutor effectively. I think that this concentration of really key effects in just a few colors leads to an imbalance in the, the power level of the color identities. Mm -hmm. As we keep going through the table, you'll start seeing this become more and more clear too. The next one is Gruel with 79 points. And you notice this is the first green two-color pair we've gotten. They get the acceleration they get removal. Basically, Gruel is kind of like the sum of its parts, and I think that's why it kind of landed here. The two areas in which Gruel is weakest and what keep it from really being higher on this list are the fact that it, of course, can't interact with spells on the stack, and it doesn't have much spot creature removal. Yeah. Green basically cannot answer creatures at instant speed. Red is also pretty ineffective at it. Like, yeah. Black has so many options. 
blue has surprisingly many oh, options. Yeah, a lot yeah. of options. White has a couple, but like red, after Chaos Warp, like what is the second best red spot removal spell for creatures? Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to say because like all of red has been geared towards like killing tiny guys with little bits of damage. Yeah, but like killing a 6-6 six, six is like, I guess I'll spend two cards to do this. Yeah, <laughs> it just feels real bad. And now we get our first three color pair. And this should not surprise you much that this is this far down the list. It's Mardu with 80 points, so only one more point than Gruul. And again, like, you have these colors that their weaknesses and their strengths are overlapping, so they're not really adding that much to each other. Mm -hmm. Really, the entire reason Mardu has 80 points is because Black and was like, oh, no, I got some tutors, I got some card draw, it's okay, guys. You don't have acceleration in these colors. You don't interact with spells on the stack. You also, like can't even interact with enchantments that well yeah you would think it would be better and it's not but like two of those colors can't touch enchantments so you're relying entirely on white and white has uh, as we said before fewer playable spot removal spells for enchantment than you would expect sorry mardu you are the worst of the Mm -hmm. shards and wedges i guess but it can kill creatures real good so good the next is a guild this is demir at 81 points you're lacking on acceleration that's always the problem I have with my uh, Demir list is like you have to devote so many slots to like mana rocks or like making sure you can actually get your spells cast like efficiently and it can feel real bad. This is one of the lowest scores for mass artifact removal. It's just not something that's available in the no. color identity. You, you can like Cyclonic Rift them and then that's uh, kind of it. You just can't get a lot of artifacts off the board. The next guild is Golgari with 81 points. We're basically a little bit over halfway on this table at this point. So this is like the upper half of the power levels. And Golgari makes a lot of sense that it is a lot better than most of these other guilds. Uh, Obviously better than a lot of the monocolors and stuff. Like you get the acceleration from green, you get tutors, you get a bunch of good spot removal, you get a bunch of good card draw. Really where it's lacking is just counter magic and like mass artifact removal. Mass land destruction is not something we're talking about a ton today, but it can add to a color's mm-hmm. power level, and it's not something that Golgari yeah, super can do. Good at, yeah. yeah, this one made a lot of sense. This is just right in the upper half of the middle right there. Selesnia, all of these green guilds are just so much better than mm-hmm. these non-green guilds, and it's like so funny to see it listed out like that. Yeah, the only real weakness is an inability to deal with spells on the stack. Simic is the next guild at 84 points, and Simic is just so good. <laughs> they have so many of their bases covered in so many places. The weakness is just their mass removal options, basically. Mass land destruction, mass creature removal, mass artifact destruction, those are all lacking, but it basically has tens across the board. Mm-hmm. In all the other aspects, it just does a lot. It's just not very good at answering things. What's the next color identity we're going to be talking about? So the next one is Azorius, and this one actually surprised me that this was higher than Simic. And it kind of makes sense because they just can interact with spells on the stack. They have good like creature removal, they have just good spot removal for most things. You get some tutors, the numbers just lined up pretty well. So you're lacking in your acceleration, you're lacking in artifact removal, and that's kind of it. Like Azorius has kind of got it going on, like much more than I thought they did. Yeah, I think that one of the weaknesses of this method is just that it puts equal weight on all of these categories. 
you could argue that acceleration is probably one of the more important ones. And if we were to look at these results and like fine tune the method a little bit, we'd probably put a higher weight on acceleration. Because I do agree with you. I do think that like Simic probably is higher than Azorius, but it's hard to give that weight in a meaningful way that isn't like super biased at this point. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to like fit the model to the data. Yeah, exactly. But I have the same intuition. And and something else, too, that I think it's fair to bring up now is the spread of commanders, too. So I think one of the reasons that the Simic appears stronger a lot of the time when we're playing is that the commanders are a lot stronger than a lot of the Azorius commanders. Oh, totally. We talked about it in the last episode, too, with red. Like, why is red more popular than white? Well, the red commanders are way cooler. Mm -hmm. They do a lot more things. I think that's the same here. Like, the Simic commanders are just so much stronger than a lot of the Azorius commanders overall. No, that's totally true. That makes a lot of sense. And kind of leads us to the next point, which is is it, uh, which is at 87 points. And I think the last of the guilds, and they did it. They conquered all of the guilds. Yeah, it's very funny. If you look at the strengths and weaknesses of is it and Simic, they kind of mirror each other. Is it is a lot stronger in mass creature removal, mass artifact removal, mass land destruction, and a lot weaker in acceleration and tutors. And like with the Simic, that's that's flipped. So again, like if we were to weight acceleration higher, then Simic would probably end up higher than Izzet. But as it stands, Izzet can answer things much better than Simic can. Mm -hmm. After they resolve, before they resolve, just all over the board. Just Izzet's ability to interact with the stack is just very, very powerful. And now we get to... The rest of the three-color identities, the non-Mardu. The non-Mardu ones, yeah, here they are, way, way, way up here. Starting off with Naya at 90 points. At a certain point, when you get a third color in there, it's very likely that it's going to be shoring up most of the weaknesses that you have. Because where we are now on the point scale is very close to the top. We pretty much top out at 110, I think, is the maximum. What was it? Technically, it's 110, but of the color identities, they cap out at 102. So all of the remaining color identities are within like a 12-point range. And I think this is a lot less meaningful. Yeah, the meaningful part of this is to show that they are quantifiably better better. than the two color identities. Exactly, because when you add that third color, you do get this fairly large point increase for most of these wedges and shards. Mm -hmm. Just like going from like Boros is in Naya, all of a sudden you add green and you go to 90 points. So Mm -hmm. you go from very bottom of the table at 60 points to adding 30 points to your whole score. Like that's that's a huge jump. That's what this shows is that like once you get to three colors, you can kind of do whatever you need. If you look at Naya, like how it fits into each of these categories, the only noticeable weakness is counter spells. It, it can interact with spells on the stack. Yeah. Otherwise, it's tens in almost every category. Yeah. And, and a lot of these are going to be like that. The next one is the Obzon at 90 points as well. Mm-hmm. And it is just a lot of big numbers across the board. You yeah. Just can't really interact with counter spells. Moving on into Jund, it's 92 points. I think it's pretty much the same. Jund gets another win condition, and it has a little bit better mass land destruction. But again, just 10, 10, 10 all the way through. Yeah, you can see all the three color identities without blue are basically on the same level. Yeah. Except for Mardu, which is terrible. Yeah. Then you get to Esper. So this is the first non-green guild, but it does have blue at 93 points. And man, does blue help that color identity Mm -hmm. a lot. Oh boy. You can interact with spells on the stack. You can pretty much do whatever you want. You're just missing out in acceleration. You're missing out in some like mass artifact removal. But man, you're pretty stacked. The next one basically has the same 
issue, which is Grixis at 94 points. Both Grixis and Esper, like they don't have green in their color identity, and that's really where it hits them the hardest. Yeah, and the one right after that is Jeskai with 96 points, and it's kind of similar again. You get a few more points just because you get a few more effects, especially in like mass line destruction. But other than that, all three of these color identities, these blue color identities, can do what they need to do as long as you're not trying to accelerate too much. Jeskai comes in at number four with 96 points. Soltai comes in at number three with 96 points as well. That's kind of arbitrary. I guess they tied. Sultai is also a very strong color identity. It has a lot of points in acceleration. The difference relative to Jeskai is that it's weaker on the mass land destruction and mass artifact removal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of where it loses the points that Jeskai makes up. What's the next? What's number two? Number two is Bant. And this makes so much sense just from experience too. Like, Bant can pretty much do everything. Mm-hmm. You got your acceleration, you can interact with the stack. You can wipe the board like a million different ways. You can spot removal things. You got good tutors. Like Bant just has it all. We have a hundred points here for Bant. The the only place where it is not perfect is in mass land destruction. It doesn't have a perfect ten on on that. But the number one clan spoiler is Teamer with a hundred and two points, and it's pretty much I think just because of that land destruction. And again, like this makes sense. Like Timur has the blue green thing going on. But I think if we were weighting the categories slightly differently, I think that Bant would pop above Timur just because the effects that you get adding red aren't necessarily better than the ones that you have in Bant. And there's mm-hmm. also just way more things in like the Bant color identities, like the shards just being allies. Does it surprise you at all that the top three color identities have both blue and green uh no no it is not okay. at all yes yeah, ultai bant timur all have blue green in them and that makes so much sense another thing that's worth mentioning is like we capped each of these at 10 but some of these like have a little bit deeper field beyond that and i think that in some of these categories maybe like teamer just barely got to 10 yeah whereas bant can go deeper on a lot of these categories that's true yeah especially since if you look at the component color identities of teamer like for example gruel there weren't a lot of multicolor cards that are contributing to this identity same with with is it yeah. Same with Izzet, same with Simic, you really just get those those two creature-based card draw guys, whereas Bant has a lot of stuff. Within Bant, you get like Noble Hierarch, Faborough Elder, Bant Charm, but even in the component pieces, Celestia, you get a ton of Avacyn's Pilgrim, Eladomri's Call, a bunch of artifact enchantment removal, and in Azorius, you get some really good board wipes and a, a good counterspell. So I think Bant, those components help it a lot more than the components of Teamer. And I would agree. It's interesting. There you go. We've we've quantified the colors for you in a way that you can visualize a little bit easier. And I, I do think this methodology, like obviously it's not perfect, but I do think that it's interesting how well, after going through and running the numbers, it does actually match up with play experience, which is very interesting. Yeah, no, I'm totally not surprised to see that Boros and Rakdos are lower than Mono Blue. I'm not surprised to see that identities with green in them have a big leg up over the others. The identities with blue in them also have a big leg up. Aside from like some minor tweaking, this is perfectly matching up with what I thought of the format before doing this exercise. Now you know the listener. You've heard from us. We did the legwork for you. You can go to your local game store and 
slam your fist down on the table and point at the guy playing Sultai and go like, that's way better than this guy's Jorkadeen. I have evidence. Before we go, just a, a couple things I want to touch on. You may have noticed that we didn't go past the three color identities. That's basically because there's not really a point. There's five that we didn't touch on, and I bet you could guess the score that they all get, or more likely than not will get. If you want to punch in those numbers and see for yourself, like let us know. But I'm pretty sure you start maxing out once you get that fourth color in there. Yeah, like three of those color identities have both blue and green so you, they're just going to be basically as powerful as you can possibly be. One of them is missing blue. Okay, well, I can tell you right now, they're not going to have great ability to interact with the stack. One of them is going to be missing green. They're going to be... Hurting for acceleration a little bit more than the other ones, but... I mean, they're all basically at the same level of like the teamer, the bant, the sultai. Mm-hmm. And then five color is... It's going to be... I can tell you right now, it's going to be probably 104. Yep, yep, five color for sure, 104. And I think this tracks because like it's so hard to build away from good stuff in five color. You're like, oh, I have access to the best of whatever in whatever color. It's going to be pretty hard to, for me not to just jam the best of whatever color in my deck. So I think that also tracks if you really kind of push this method further. So yeah, we did not include five color. One thing that's notable... The one category that only ranged from zero to three, like nobody got close to a 10 on it, is win conditions. And that's yeah. because, like, win conditions, there's really so few of them in the game. Yeah. Like, the way we classify win conditions as these things that win you the game, the turn you cast them with basically no setup, and they are resistant to removal. Maybe that might change. Like, the addition of another win condition in one of these colors would have a big impact in so many different color identities because unlike a lot of these categories like nobody comes close to capping out on it yeah it's very interesting so we have a patreon question this is from Raphael. thank you for asking questions and if you want to also ask us questions it's a perk you get as being one of our patrons and you can jump into the discord server and just kind of ask us things that we'll answer on the show here so this question I have the impression that generally enemy color pairs are more popular than ally color pairs. Is this a general consensus? If so, where do you think this comes from? Is it due to people liking the weirdness, like Eldrazi and Odd Numbers? Or is it maybe that the enemy colors have less mechanical overlap, thus complementing each other better than the allied color ones? So we actually dove into this and have some actual data First thing I want to say is from a mechanical perspective in terms of like how they overlap mechanically, it's actually pretty even between the two. The numbers that we spew out when we quantify the power level of a color is essentially a metric of like how much the colors together cover all the mechanical things that you're trying to do in Commander. So if you add up all the ally colors, the sum of their scores for each individual color pair is 391. If you add it up for the enemy colors, it's 381. Pretty close. If you're going to give an edge to one of them, it's the ally colors. But I do agree with you that it does seem that enemy colors are more popular and we have some data to back it up. So what we did was we added up all the deck lists in each color pair on EDH rec to give a sense of like how how popular how many people are playing this specific color pair this commander or something like that. For instance, there's 6288 individual deck lists referenced on EDH rec for Azorius. So there are 6288 Azorius decks. 
that you can have access to on EDHREC, which kind of gets to what Nick is talking about we're doing with them. Yeah, so we're adding together all the decks in each of the ally color identities and then all the decks in the enemy color identities. So as a whole, all five ally colors, how many decks are there? So if you total up all of the deck lists for the allied color pairs, you end up with 34,472 decks. That's a pretty big number. For the enemy color pairs, you end up with 42,403 decks. So that's a pretty sizable difference. That's 8,000-ish decks. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a big increase over the ally color decks, and that's with fewer options. Across the board, there are fewer commanders in these enemy color pairs than there are in the ally color pairs. So that's pretty interesting. I have a theory for why this might be. We've shown it's it's probably not a mechanical thing, and I don't think it's the weirdness necessarily. I think it's really just a matter of commanders. Because if you look at the deck counts for individual commanders, you can see where there's a deeper field, and there are more enemy color pairs that have a deep field of commanders than ally colors. So for example, you can see in the data when there's just not a lot of good options. Like for Boros, Feather has almost 1,500 decks, and then the next most popular commander has just under 600. Yeah. So 900 deck drop-off, that probably indicates that there's not a deep field of good commanders. Yeah, there's not a lot going on there. The same is true for something like Azorius. Yeah, Azorius, the most popular commander is Brago with 1,200 decks. The next most popular has only about 600 so pretty steep drop-off there. If you look at Izzet and Golgari, both of them have really deep fields of commander right now, and you can see that reflected in the, the drop-off between the most popular commander. So Izzet goes from 1,600 decks with niv Parun to almost 1,300 decks with Joy or Weatherlight Captain to 1,150 decks with the Locust God to 880 decks with Mizics of the Ismagnus. There is a decrease, but it's like 300 decks, then 100 decks, then 300 decks. It's not like a thousand deck decrease from Feather to the next best option. Yeah. If you kind of look at this methodology, you can see that like, for whatever reason, there's more of these enemy color pairs with like this kind of deep field. And that's really interesting to me, especially because like, if people can think back to like three, four years ago with Is it in particular, we were lacking pretty hard on like mm-hmm. good playable Is it commanders, and now it's like we have so many cool ones. Brutaclad and Sahili um, are both at around 850 decks. They're brand new. Joyra is new. Niv Mizzet Parun. So a lot of strong hits in recent years for Is it and Golgari has been good for a long time now, but they they definitely are one of the color identities that have a deep field. You have Marin of Clan Neltoth with 1,900 decks. There is a drop-off from there to the Gitrog monster at 1150 decks, but then Hapatra has 1,000 decks, Slimefoot has almost 1,000 decks, so all those commanders are, are pretty darn popular. If you look at the allied color commanders, like there's a pretty steep drop-off for like Celestnia. It goes 1,000, 850, about 800, and then down to the 500s. Gruul, it goes 1,100, then about 800, then 600, then down to the 500s. Yeah. So, so really, you just you the numbers just shrink so much faster with these ally colors. Honestly, I don't think this is really an ally or enemy color thing. This is just like some color pairs have better commanders. Like Demir is doing pretty well. Demir's number one commander has seventeen hundred and seventy six decks. Then it goes twelve fifty, then nine hundred. The ones that seem to me to be the most lacking are, of course, Boros. 
Orzov is also does not have a deep field right now. Yeah, it's very steep drop off. Yeah, it's Tesa Karlov with sixteen hundred decks, and then about eight hundred for the next, and then five fifty for the next. Azorius, we pointed out earlier, needing some good options, but is it doing great? Golgari's doing great. Simic is doing great. Demir is doing great. It's just some of the other colors. Like I said, I don't think it's an ally versus enemy thing. This is just kind of a design thing. Like these colors have had more commander playable commanders for whatever reason. It may be a matter of like wizards just looking at the pure number of commanders. Because as we mentioned, like the enemy colors have fewer commanders than the ally color options. So they may be looking at like, oh, these enemy colors don't have as many good options. Let's put some out there with the commander products and such. And the problem is like when they're designing these for commander products, they tend to be good commanders. Yeah. Or just like as they're designing for commander in the modern era. Whereas like, yeah, Azorius has gotten commanders for decades, but so few have actually been designed with commander in mind. Mm -hmm. And you can see that in how people are playing it. So there you go. Thank you, Raphael, for your question. And again, if you want to submit a question of your own, join our Patreon and you'll get to do things like that. All right. Uh, well, before we go, I want to give a final thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Cooper, Dylan, James, Justin, and Logan because of your support that we're able to keep the lights on here in the studio and pursue some new projects which we promise you will see very shortly yeah we promise it's happening for real we've been teasing it for a while but we've got some great stuff coming up and we uh, can't wait to show it to you if any of you theorists want to get in touch with us i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr and zach is at fat bartleby on twitter our theme song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.